Welcome everyone. My name's Eliza Devlin and I work as Education Manager here at ACCA. And I will be convening this evening's Next Gender Symposium. Um, I've been looking, personally been looking forward to this program for a very long time and thank you all for coming. Um, before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Boomerang, the traditional owners and sovereign custodians of the land upon which we meet, and all Kulin nations, and pay my respect to their elders past, present and future, and all First Nations people who join us this evening. Okay, so today's panel Next Gender takes place within ACCA's current exhibition, Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism. It's an exhibition that surveys the diverse scope of feminist, feminist perspectives in art in Australia from the 1970s to the present. The exhibition is curated by Paola Bala, Julie Ewington, Vicky McInnes, Elvis Richardson, together with ACCA's artistic director, Max Delaney, and senior curator, Annika Christensen. And you've still got a month to catch the exhibition if you don't get a chance to see it tonight. Next Gender is the second in a series of symposia titled Unfinished Conversations. Unfinished Conversations is designed to address the most urgent questions regarding feminism today, considering strategies and analysis of gender identity, representation and intersectional politics. These discussions aim to connect unfinished business to wider cultural, social and political ideas in society. Just to start off with, I'd like to thank our partners for supporting this program. Our symposia pa symposium partner, the Sheila Foundation. Our lead partner, the Troola Foundation. Our program partner, the University of Melbourne. Our government partner, Office of Prevention and Women's Equality. And our media partner, Art Guide Australia. Today's discussion will focus on the role and significance of feminism and gender diversity for next generations. We've invited members of three secondary school feminist collectives in Melbourne to discuss why feminism is important to them and to challenge some of the works in unfinished business. So there's a lot of conversation ahead. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce tonight's panel for Next Gender. Firstly, the Violet Femmes from Eltham High School. Can you put your hands up in the front row here? Okay, so from the Violet Femmes tonight, we have speaking Dusty Diddle, Claire Steele, Ama, <laughs> Rafa, and Alicia Macritus. Thank you. The purpose of the Violet Femmes is to support women, educate and empower each other, educate others in the community regarding equality and equity, and build understanding of feminism. The group met once a fortnight for discussion, they meet once a fortnight for discussion and sharing of ideas. And last week, the Violet Femmes performed an original play they devised called Gretel at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. The play presents a feminist view on a classic hero fairy tale and their performance was reviewed twice and rated, their performance was rated twice, four out of five stars. So thank you, Violet Femmes, for joining us this evening. And next we have Tough. So the Uni High Feminist University High School, and we've got Lucy Nicholson, if you want to pop your hand up, 
and Zoe Petch. And TUF stands for the Uni High Feminists and is a student-led discussion group that meets fortnightly to engage in conversations around gender equality. And meetings usually centre around a thought-provoking statement or a question that is advertised around the school in advance. And thirdly, we have the Fitzroy High School Feminist Collective. Can you pop your hands up over here? Um, we have Eve Flanagan, Rennie Louise Permody and Jules O'Toole. Um, the Fitzroy High School Feminist Collective began in 2013 and it started with a book club elective class where a student discussion about the violence visited upon a nameless female character in a text revealed a sense of anger and frustration about gender equality more broadly. This led to much discussion about everyday sexism the young women in the class endured and that the young men in the class witnessed. And this gave way to the realisation that young people needed to take action to address these issues in a secondary school context. A lunchtime feminist collective quickly developed into a timetabled elective class and the idea for the hashtag FHSF fight back poster campaign and teaching resource was born. So thank you all for your preparation and participation in tonight's panel. Um, and I especially wanted to thank the teachers, other students and peers in the audience um, to support these students tonight. And a special mention to Sophie, uh, a teacher who has travelled all the way down from Brisbane for the event. So thank you for coming as well. Uh, <laughs> um, so tonight's symposium is structured in two parts. Um, firstly, we'll hear from each school collective for about 10 minutes and they'll be discussing um, who they are and what their collective does, uh, why feminism is important to them and how this is addressed in their collective and why it is important to have their collective as part of their school. Um, after hearing from the individual collectives, we'll open up to a panel discussion um, to talk about some of the works in Unfinished Business and question whether the exhibition demonstrates feminisms that the groups identify with. I'm sure there'll be lots of discussions in this part. And finally, we'll open up um, questions to the audience and discuss what the future of feminism might be. So, um, to get the ball rolling, I'd like to invite the Violet Femmes up first to present, so thank you. Hi, um, we're the Violet Femmes, the feminist collective from Eltham High School. I'm Ama. this is Claire, Dusty, Alicia, um, George, Sophie and Louise. And um, our other member, Emily, is smashing out her cricket final in the very first cricket league in her area. The collective began at the beginning of semester two, 2017. We meet every second Tuesday at lunchtime. We have talked about the different types of feminism, watched videos like feminism ads, and we're currently working on an art project. It's so much fun. After finishing our current project, which Claire will explain in a minute, we'll work on recruiting new members and, we'll have, and we have heaps of ideas for our next projects. Our current, our current project is called Hack Barbie. Um, we are making Barbies into realistic body shapes and dressing them in more appropriate normal clothing. 
We have also come up with some powerful messages and slogans to pair with the Barbies. For example, a Barbie at a train station. A Barbie at a train station with the statement, I do mind the wage gap. When we started transforming these Barbies, we were doing it because it was fun and very satisfying to cut their hair off. But the project just kept growing, and over the holidays, collectively, we made 31 of them. And now we're thinking we might make a little exhibition of our own. So those are, those are all the ones that we haven't made yet. Um, Claire, Ama and I are in a show called Gretel, yeah, which we performed last week in the Adelaide Fringe Festival. And we got two four out of five star reviews, which was pretty exciting. And we are going to the Brisbane Anywhere Festival in May. So if you're around Brisbane, drop in and see it. And um, the show is about female oppression, power, witches, and girls supporting girls. Um, even though the play is set a long time ago where teaching maths is limiting God, the show explores some things that are happening today in the world. And here are some photos from when we did the farewell performance at our school. <laughs> um, so why is feminism important to us and how that's addressed in our collective? Feminism is important to us because we want to have every person in the world grow up and live a wonderful life regardless of their gender. Our collective is especially passionate about equal pay and positive body image. We also want there to be no more gender discrimination and gender stereotypes. The Violet Femmes aim to raise awareness around the school about feminism and encourage other young people to be proud feminists. We also want to learn more about feminism. We know that feminism is huge. But in history class, we learn about Albert Einstein, Nelson Mandela, Benjamin, and Benjamin Franklin, who all did amazing things, but we never hear about Billie Jean King, Amelia Earhart, or Emmeline Pankhurst. In English, we have studied The Outsiders and Stand By Me. Women and girls are misrepresented and sexualized in both of these texts. Students are not getting the education they need in feminism and gender. It is no mystery that boys in high school use homophobic geography language and there needs to be a more conversation and more education for students in gender equality. Our feminist collective is exactly where people can come and learn about feminism. And while we know that the boys who are anti-feminism and homophobic won't join the Violet Femmes, our collective is bringing attention to gender equity around the school and creating projects to celebrate feminism and also supporting students who have been victims of sexism. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now we'll hear from University High School students, Lucci and Zoe. Um, 
Uh, well, hi, my name's Zoe and this is Luchi. I'm Luchi, yeah. Um, <laughs> we are two of the students from Uni High who have helped recently reinstate uh, TUF, our feminism group at Uni High, that was previously running at our school, but um, Year 12s who were running at our school got a lot too busy with VCE, so it yeah. kind of fizzled away. And this year we decided that it was time to really make it a more... Um, available resource at our school for all of the year levels. Yeah. So we decided to sort of kickstart it again, but without real uh, leaders, if so. Yeah, because that so kind of caused it to fizzle out last yeah. time, because we had such amazing um, year 12 girls and boys running it, and they did such a great job, and then there wasn't really anyone to carry over. Um, yeah, so our feminism collective kind of runs in two different strains. Like once a term, or once every two months or so, we have a forum where Everyone's welcome at any time, but where we have like a tagline, like for instance on this Friday we're having, can gender roles be good? And so we've had 130 people come into one room at yeah. various other um, forums and we all debate out the question. We usually try to have an open-ended question, which is usually a bit contentious, even within <laughs> feminist circles, and um, get as many people in. And then our second strain is um, a club that meets every second week where we do different topics, maybe talk about more personal issues. Yeah. Talk, um, like at the moment, because we're just starting up a game, we're um, looking at different projects and we're so inspired by yeah. the other groups here. It's really incredible. Yeah. yeah, so on our lunchtime meetings, which have just started this week actually, um, <laughs> yeah. we had more of an admin lesson, well, sort of session where we wanted to decide on what our goals were for this year and what everybody wanted to get out of the group. And so we've sort of decided that it's going to be an open discussion space with a sort of overarching topic that's been voted on uh, maybe a few days before, uh, where people can sort of bring up their problems or their ideas on the topic and also like provide resources, everybody together, just bringing what they found in the previous sort of two weeks and sharing what they found, working together, starting projects, just really like a really student-led sort of process. I think is more what we've started at the school. Yeah, definitely. And um, like as a high school, um, it's really important for us to have a space where not only we can discuss issues um, based around feminism, but also using a collective as a space for other issues that we have around the school because and like different areas that feminism might touch. Um, yeah, yeah like around we us. Work quite closely with Spectrum, which is the LGBTQIA plus group at our school. Um, because, you know, some of the issues sort of really work together. So we run our forums in correlation with them. And so it brings a lot more of the people from our school together. It really brings also a lot more sort of males into our feminism group. Um, <laughs> because um, we've sort of found in a lot of the younger years, people just think feminism is for females, which is so totally not true. And we want to get rid of a lot of the sort of stigma and preconceived ideas about what's possible for people in our community. Yeah, definitely. And it's always really interesting when different people come into the group and everyone has a different perspective on, like, what brings them to feminism and, like, what issues they're having. And so I think, yeah, it's really yeah. good to have the two tiers because it also brings new people in constantly to have, like, a tagline around the school on a poster to bring people in. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and another reason why we feel that TUF is very important to our school, which was another question that we were asked to touch on, is because we found that last year when TUF was running and there was forums going, feminism and equality was a lot more talked about general sort of topic within our school at lunchtime. A lot more people were bringing it up. A lot more people were talking about it, getting a lot more invested in the issue. 
Um, but as it started to sort of fizzle away in the last few terms when year 12 exams start and our leaders weren't really um, there every lunchtime, <laughs> um, it sort of started to fizzle away also, which is why we thought it was super, super important to bring it back and make this a very forefront current issue for our whole school community, not just sort of people invested in it already, which is why the forum's really good as a sort of separate um, add-on activity to the group because it brings a lot of people from our school together to just talk about life, yeah, <laughs> everything that's important. And yeah, it's really good having the collective because yeah, it also brings to surface not just feminist issues that people are having around the school, but it starts different conversations about different inequalities that people are experiencing throughout the school, especially as a co-ed school. You know, I think that it's really easy if you're not experienced, I guess, any kind of discrimination to not see when discrimination is taking place. And so by having a space um, where we can bring issues like that up, it really opens everyone up to these issues that different people are having, which is really easy to ignore or just not notice. And so I think that's one of the really integral parts of yeah. our But group. yeah, it's tough so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, and I invite Fitzroy Feminist High School Collective up. Um. Um, hi, I'm Mary Louise Pilati. Um, I'm Eve Flanagan. I'm Jules O'Toole. Um, and we are members of the Fitzroy High Feminist Collective. Yeah. Um, so the Feminist Collective was established the Feminist Collective was established in 2013. Um, like it was mentioned before, it started with a book club. Um, and we, really, we have a safe space where we can talk about feminism, equality, intersectionality, um, and share things about our personal experiences within the class. Um, so we basically started with sort of just ranting about um, the issues that we all faced as um, young women and as men as well, kind of watching that and not knowing really what to do and how to start. And that all kind of was the grounds of how we began our feminist collective. And then we sort of started turning it into more strategic planning and what we were actually going to do. So part of that was creating a poster campaign um, with the help of graphic designers, but mainly all the concepts were by the Feminist Collective. Um, there's the effects of objectification on the body campaign and the sexism stings campaign, which we'll show you in a second. Um, and some of the other things we did were creating the fight back resource, which is what the Femco is really widely known for. Uh, yeah, so we did a lot of work on... I swear I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> um, so we... Uh, I swear I'm not doing that. <laughs> Damn, that clicker. Yeah. Um, so we at the Fitzroy Feminist Collective did develop a, a teaching resource fight back, and that was a while ago. And that was because we really felt there was... Okay, I'm a paranoid now. Um, I really felt like we, we really felt like there was a, a big gap in not knowing what feminism was in an education kind of space. And with that said, we, we needed some oh my God, we needed something to really target like the area that was kind of being missed in a lot of curriculums, and we were really lucky with the rollout of respectful relationships and things like that. But 
developing our own was a really good experience and we, we did a lot of work with that and we, we hoped we could give a lot of different people and a lot of different schools the opportunity to kind of have a way to begin their own Femco because it was really hard for us initially to start up and we just want to make that easy and give everyone their own little Femco and help them out with that. Um, and to do that, we started a Kickstarter campaign and I think really quickly we raised, I think it was about $12,000, is that right? Yeah, um, for our fight back resource. And um, yeah, that's, what's, that's kind of what we've done to this point. Like that's the history of the Feminist Collective. Oh. <laughs> just don't touch it. Don't touch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is the, the first poster we developed as a part of our, our poster campaign and it depicts um, uh, a previous student of Fitzroy and one of the, the, the founders of the Femco in, like a, in, a, in a state where you can kind of see here, the image is a little blurry, but it's on the side of her face is the word printed slut. Um, and, okay. um, and it, uh, it, it really... We felt like, because the word slut is so impactful to people and it, it is just tossed around so loosely and we felt that most people didn't really understand how painful and how harmful words can be and there's always that saying of, uh, saying of sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never harm me and really that couldn't be further from the truth. There is so much pain in the words we use and we felt we could try and bring some light to that. So this was our other poster that the Femco created, which was how objectification affects the body. And we basically um, highlighted how words like slut and fat and really harmful words can actually create such an awful culture that we live in, which is putting so much pressure on women to perfect their bodies and to be a certain way. And it's, it's, very, it's quite a powerful poster and it's quite intense, but we thought it was really important to show how awful these words can make people feel, and especially women, and there's so many things like that kind of, it, it's showing like eating disorders are the most third most common, common chronic illness in young women, and how that actually affects feminism, how that eating disorders are a feminist issue, and that the words that are used to critique women's bodies can be so awfully taken to heart and how they can really damage young women. Both of these posters were used as stimulus for our fight back resource, which we'll talk about now. Is that what we do? Um, so fight back is an introduction to gender inequality. It's a resource for secondary school students. Um, yeah. As you can see, we, we talked a little bit about it before, but we developed it as a, as a target for a lot of different areas of feminism, specifically intersectionality quite a bit, which isn't really talked about as much as it needs to be, and it can help with the message that feminism really helps everyone, as opposed to, to like the stereotype of it only helping women. And we felt if we could bring this to an education point and where we could show people and teach them that things aren't always quite as they seem, we could really benefit them. And with that intersectionality, just blended really nice into it, and we felt like it would really benefit the, the resource to talk a lot about it. 
Um, the research, the re research, the resource also talks about privilege um, and the links between gender inequality, consent, and sexual assault. Um, so, currently, Femco, right now, where Femco is and where Femco will hopefully develop into is, well, last year we worked a lot on creating rape culture classes that we taught at our schools by Femco members. So we basically planned and wrote a whole two classes that ran for 45 minutes and they were all addressing how damaging um, rape culture is in our society and we highlighted all the important points and we delivered them to the class in activities that we thought would engage the students. And then to the year sevens of our high school, we um, developed a f just a kind of fight back curriculum refined and showed them the inequality that Australia is facing with women and intersectionality. And we also consulted our school board on the uniform policy to make sure that we are eliminating any sexist rules that highlight um, you know, the sexualization of women's bodies and making sure that they were all eliminated from our school uniform policy. Uh, another thing we're working on right now is we, well, we worked on, we were invited to take, I'm just gonna, we were invited to take part in the, the ABC Me's International Day of the Girl. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, we were invited to be on an interview, like to be interviewed for that and to help spread awareness of like local communities in and around Melbourne and I think ABC Me is based in Sydney as well to show that, Australia, um, to show that different, like the different cult, like the different areas and groups that are helping to target some issues that we're facing in like feminist culture at the moment and what's kind of distorting it and by doing this we could help raise awareness for those that weren't quite aware of what it means to to have a group, to have, a, to have people to confide in and it really benefit them, hopefully. Um, one of the other things we always do every year is go on a Femco Vitus camp um, and that's where we can get away from everything for a couple of days and really focus on our project for the year. So last year and this year our project has been the rape culture classes and now we're working on a conference which will be held at the end of this year. The conference is about creating safe spaces for people to talk about feminism um, and with the theme making space we're also looking at uh, making space in industries that women are underrepresented in. And some of the other things that we have been doing slash are doing are we are keynote speakers at a Respectful Relationship Student Voice Forum uh, this Friday and in a couple of weeks we're going to the um, Inspirational Women of Yara Awards which we've been nominated for an award at. Um, and as for our conference, we would really like to invite anyone who would like to come to our conference in the later this year, which will be basically, Brenny's kind of already said what about it, but it's just really important that we have lots of different voices come, even if that's young people or older people, and it's really great to have everyone come and have see what they think about feminism and to see what we think about feminism, so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so... We, to help spread awareness about the, the collective and the, the resource, we did end up creating a, like a, a feminist collective website, which you're all welcome to hop over to at fhsfemco.com. Um, cheeky plug, but 
This has got all of our, our information, uh, a bit of a history on the Femco, and our fightback resource, which we would really recommend checking out. And if there's like gaps in your learning that you feel at school, students or parents of students who feel like their their children aren't quite getting that whole circle of education, have a look at it and see what you can do. There's some really valuable like aspects and points to be made, and with maybe the help of a teaching resource, you could help implement that in your school or area and do your best to improve it. Um, and our rape culture classes will be on there soon, but they're not at the moment. If you're interested in running those, it's just a two-class um, sequence. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're just going to do a little quick changeover, so talk amongst yourselves for a couple of minutes, and I'll just get all of the um, collectives up here as well. Thanks. Hello. So now we have a really, really large panel. Um, hopefully I won't have to do too much. I've never convened a panel this big. Um, but it's really exciting to have everybody up here together. Um, so I guess to the panel. So this is open to anyone. Just make sure you speak into a mic. Um, is, is this exhibition um, demonstrating the kind of feminism that you identify with? Um, so, <clears throat> we had a bit of a chat about this and we thought that 
um, one of the artworks, the Vagina Dentata, was a very interesting um, piece. We thought that um, it wasn't really... I don't know where the artist is coming from with their idea of the, art, their idea of the artwork, but um, I would say it's not really the type of feminist, feminism that I identify with because I feel like um, feminists are already portrayed as um, man-haters and I, I don't want to be part of that stereotype. Could so, you maybe describe the work that you're talking about, Ama? Um, so it's just like um, a pic, like it's a vagina with teeth, mm-hmm. and um, the artwork is actually very nice in there. Uh, it's very lovely, but um, it's not something that I agree with. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that it doesn't it doesn't help your cause in a way because you yeah. you, you don't identify. It's hard enough being a feminist. You're saying. Yeah, yeah. Without being seen as a kind of man-hater as well. Yeah. So I think that that's a really interesting point of view. Like, I totally I totally see that. Um, and it's true that the first question you get asked when you talk about being in a feminist collective or being a feminist is, oh, but do you hate men or do you have male members in your feminist collective? Which we do. But I think in a way... <laughs> And I think in a way you kind of have to just ignore that stereotype because that in itself is just sexism because it's like this, this thing about, oh, okay, anyone who doesn't like men who, or actually who's advocating for their own freedom and their own expression, um, that's taken to a really extreme point because people can't really deal with that and process that. And I think in a way that art piece is kind of reclaiming that and going, right, okay, you think that we're all just man-hating, scary feminists, we're going to embrace that and do a piece that really says, you know, like, we're angry about things and that's okay and we're powerful and we're really loud and strong. And I think that there's also an aspect of just kind of owning your insults. So if someone says, you know, when, I, when people say to me, oh, you talk so much or, you, have, you know, I say, well, you know, like, don't ask me to talk because I'll say a lot, you know, because I don't stop talking and... And then I'll introduce myself and say, yes, I'm very loud and I talk a lot. So, you know, and I think that's, and I think that it's okay to be angry and I think that it's okay to want to say a lot. And I do get the fact that it's hard labeling labeling yourself as a feminist because there's so many things that come on with that, so many kind of extra luggage that comes with, you know, having to say, well, yes, I do like men. Like, it's so, I do like men. I'm still a feminist though. And I think that it's, I think that there's, I think it's almost saying, well, owning the insult and saying, yes, well, people think I hate men, but I'm just going to go with that. And even though I don't agree with it, I think it's okay to just own that insult in a way. That's like the slut bag. We were talking about that before. And we love the slut bag. (laughs) And because it's so true. And the fact that it's on a pencil case, it's like high school because it's a pencil case. And, um, and same with the um, billboard thing of Maria Kozik is bitch. That's like, she, I, is that, am I right that she made that of herself? And she was like saying, yeah, okay, I'm a bitch if you're saying I'm a bitch. Yeah, it's from the 90s as well, the yeah. early 90s. Yeah. Yes. yeah, we thought that's really cool. All those ideas of owning the insults and just like accepting it if that's what someone thinks of you. Uh, well, yeah, like, we all grew up with that pencil case. Like, I, I distinctly remember that being, like, everyone had one of those pencil cases. And it's so, like, everyone can, can 
just relate to that, like owning a label and having that as your name, like it is really, like it, it paints a really good image of what can happen with a label and how owning it can really empower you to be who you want to be. And with that said, it, it, it just delivers a message that we can all kind of connect with. And I find that really fascinating about that artwork as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I will, your points are so amazing. And like also the fact that that really just sums up high school because so many people just throw around um, that colloquial language that's so derogatory and so sexist and like there's so much even sexism like that that I've just completely internalised and so many people in schools have internalised and I guess that's, always, that's the role of feminist collectives to be like this is what you're saying is sexist because I think so many people they don't realise that what they're saying is really sexist when they're saying oh she's a slut because that just gets thrown around so regularly yeah. and um, yeah and yeah, it just gets thrown around so regularly without people knowing all the baggage that comes with it. Um, and even, yeah, I think so many people have just internalised so much sexism to do with that and just owning the fact that, you know, I'm a feminist and this is what, um, like, I have to say and it's okay to be loud and to be emotional about the issues because they're really hurtful and, yeah. Uh, I also think that... Um, since, you know, the, the choice of pencil case is such a sort of iconic Australian high school and primary school item, everyone's had one, and the word is probably one of the most used slurs that I've heard in high school, really makes it such a relatable piece of artwork, just like talking about the artwork itself, and the fact that, like, it's so true that that's exactly how it is in high school, and I feel like that's really what all of these um, sort of communities that we've created are trying to eradicate and sort of um, non-neutralize, because everybody thinks that it's okay to say these things as a joke, because if it's a joke, then it doesn't count, but it's still, like, it always counts, and I think that's what um, the piece really sort of makes you think about a lot. Yeah. So on that, are there any works in the show that really opened up new ideas for you, or ideas or the issues that you had? Vagina dentata. The vagina. <laughs> well, we Googled that. Because we didn't know what it was, and then we went home and Googled that, so... You Googled yeah. the work or the... the no, term? the thing, yeah. the idea, yeah. 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 Anybody yeah. else? Um, I really found the rape contract really empowering and really... It was very intense, basically. Do you want me to explain Yeah, that, could actually? you describe what the yeah, rape contract so is? Basically, it's a contract, a legal document that is kind of... Um, providing compensation for rape victims and it's just it's quite dry and very um, kind of legal and um, it's and then there's this woman who's an artist who I looked into she has a background in law and she basically has um, spoken to lots of rape victims and gotten their stories and she's written over it in invisible pen so you have to shine a light on it to see um, the different women's stories and so she's kind of highlighted things and scribbled things out and written about things and I think that's so there's it's really symbolic that you have to kind of shine a light on it to see it and that it's the underlying things that happen with something like a rape contract is the things that people don't understand and it's the things that will never be able to be kind of made up for and that there's so little representation of those women's stories and how they've been affected by this by being sexually assaulted and that they've had to and that they've been given this legal document to kind of say well this is what happened to you and this is what we can do about it can feel so like it's so it's kind of nothing to them and that she's kind of taken those people's emotions and she's written all over it and I think that that's 
quite beautiful in a way that she's kind of done that and that you shine a light on it to see it. And I think that that's really symbolic and quite beautiful in a tragic sort of sense. Yeah, because um, for women who have been raped, it's a trauma of the event and then reliving it through that legal process and really doesn't... There was a Q&A, uh, an Insight episode about it last night, um, sort of the trauma of the event and then the trauma of going through yeah. that process. It's not very helpful yeah, for anybody. I, yeah, sorry. And I thought that because lots of people... I talk to, well, um, say that they don't want to kind of, and you read about it, the fact that women don't actually want to prosecute because they're, they're ashamed, there's aspects of embarrassment as well, but it's also that you'll have to go into a court and people have to assume that you're kind of lying and then you have to bring that all comes up again and that you're kind of questioned about what exactly happened and you have to relive the entirety of the situation as well as kind of being assumed that this is just fabricated in some ways. Yeah, because in law, people are innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. And so women are often, you know, questioned or interrogated or yeah. be made to feel like they're liars. Um, any other works in the show that open up some new ideas? Um, personally, a piece that really resonated with me um, was the the dresses with the writing on them. I can't remember what it was called. Um, fuck dresses. But, yeah, the fuck dresses. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. Uh, <laughs> Um, just because of my personal interest um, and background in fashion, that was something that I found really important. I think that uh, the way women dress and the way they look is something that's just so prominent in um, the discrimination that we face daily. Um, and so I really saw it as something that's kind of saying, if people are going to pay so much attention to what we wear, particularly in cases of assault and rape, people always ask, oh, what were you wearing? No one asks what the rapists were wearing. Um, but if people want to pay so much attention to this, then okay, you can pay attention to this, but we're going to put a message on it that's saying we're angry and we're strong and that's okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, one work that kind of really epitomised everything that I love about feminism and um, collectivism was um, uh, <laughs> Alex Martini Rose video, Rocking the Foundations, um, because it exhibits um, unions working together with feminist collectives to um, bring feminists, um, bring women and feminists um, into um, the labour force, into like building constructions, and then also how they um, worked to um, uh, with they all worked together um, to for indigenous land rights in Redfern, and I thought this was really inspiring to also talk about the positive stories about that like collectives like ours, obviously like on a bigger scale, but what these collectives can achieve not only for feminism but for social justice in general. I thought it was really inspiring the way that that was all brought around. I, um, I actually saw it last year in the Sydney Biennale and I saw it again this year and it really inspired me last year the way that it brought together um, yeah, just a whole lot of different social justice issues together and everyone working together in a way that can actually change the system and I saw it again this year and it just re-inspired me completely and I thought that it just really beautifully brought everything together and like the reason that we do feminist collectives like these. Yeah, um in total agreeance, that was an amazing piece and one that really, that I really connected with, it's almost visible, it's just in that left corner over there, it's uh, the man cleaning up piece, I'm not I'm sure if that's, yeah? yeah? I love it, I, I think it's amazing, it is, there's a lot of work to be done, there's a lot of steps we've got to take and to bring 
equality down. And I think that the least we can all do is to just pitch in a bit of effort, especially guys. Like, we get it. We, we don't get a lot. Everything kind of is a little bit easier, and we have a lot of privilege because of it. We, we're, we're born into it. It's not a choice, but it's something we exhibit. And if we can use it for something, if we can identify it, and if we can use it, and if we can help people, use our voice to help other people, help feminism gain a bigger voice and make changes, that's, that's really important. And I feel like being able to volunteer to help clean up, that is, it is just such a powerful message, and I'm probably going to do it at some point. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's... It's fantastic. So Man Cleaning Up is a work by Natalie Thomas and um, this is another work by hers, Hot Air. <laughs> and um, just to give a bit of background, you, men can volunteer their time throughout the exhibition period to um, clean the, the gallery floor for half an hour so they put on a vest, Man Cleaning Up. Um, so if anybody, any man in the audience would like to volunteer, there's still a month left of cleaning to do. <laughs> so I want to bring it back to the school context because... Um, in, in the back there earlier we were talking about some of the challenges of setting up a feminist collective in your school and Violet Femmes you had you said to me are we going to get bombed tonight and yeah. I sort of didn't really know what you meant but <laughs> yeah. do well, you want to talk about that maybe we, we had a bit of an issue where um, when we first um, we, when we were about to have our first meeting we thought it was a good idea to, p to advertise it on Compass where our school um, thing where everyone can see what their next class is and teachers can put notes up on. And so um, we put a note on Compass saying if anyone would like to join the Feminist Collective, we're meeting in student services at lunchtime. And um, we had quite a few people there who were genuinely interested. And then um, a little way into the meeting, we just got um, a whole heap of boys, about 20 or so, um, just come in and just going like, oh, feminism. And and um, they were just um, completely bombed it and um, took over. Well, not took over, but um, just got the attention that they wanted. And um, But it's quite a tricky situation. You can't say get out because it's an inclusive thing and you want everyone to be part of, part of the co collective. But... It's, it's a hard thing to just say get out when you know they're not interested. They just want to make fun of you. Mm. But, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I would feel really... I really feel for you because you, fa you actually do face a lot of discrimination um, being a part of and setting up the Feminist Collective because not only are you a generally a group of women and minorities, though you aren't necessarily... But you're also people that are standing up and disagreeing with the norm, which isn't something that people will always be okay with. Um, um, except, so we had a meeting last year with Northgate High School, and they had a lot of really similar problems that you did. Um, and we've actually had a, we've had a lot of feminist collectives which we've spoken to about having a meeting, and that's what inspired us to start this conference. Is because um, obviously our FEMCO has been running a really long time, but um, other people who were starting were facing issues like that, and so we wanted to bring together a space where everybody could kind of compare notes and talk about the struggles, but also the positives about having a group and like this, talking about establishing one, and then what to do when you have it established. What are the next steps? Um, yeah, like that—that that is what we're all about. Like we really want to help out our local communities, and with that, and we were really fortunate to get it. We have two 90-minute sessions per week. We have 
a fair amount of time. We're really fortunate to have a class structure and to do our best, to, and we really want to do our best to help other people get that kind of position where you can make more time, you can make more arrangements, you've got time to talk, you've got really important time to create a safe space for everyone to just be able to deal with their week a little bit better. But you've also got that time to, to plan and organise something. Like the conference we're doing this year should be amazing. You're all welcome to come, by the way. Um, but it is really going to be helpful, we think, just to help everyone come together because if we can make people come together, if we can unify the local or statewide feminism groups, we can really make a difference. And with that being said, we love it and we want to keep going and, and making things better in our community. Um, do you guys want to talk about the struggle of having a feminist collective class only once every fortnight? Mm. Oh. Um, <laughs> Um, at the moment, uh, since we've just sort of started up and we do share time with the Spectrum group at our school, we have about an hour every fortnight to address our issues and come up with projects and everything. So that's why we found it um, kind of helpful also running the forums sort of once a month because that's a really good time for people to um, talk and talk and talk about how they feel and with lots of different people um, sort of get out the most um, of their ideas and what they find and then at our meetings um, sort of address more uh, succinct issues and what we sort of want to actually work on um, as a collective or, you know, it's more the people who come to the meetings that want to sort of make more change in the community or learn sort of more from others and then our forums are a really good sort of discussion space for people to learn things from others but also sort of get, you know, their point out and everything like that. And then we also had a bit of a struggle um, since we first started as we were talking to the rest of the group if we wanted to create a group chat or not because our whole sort of goal of the group was not to have um, design, like assigned leaders of the group because that's sort of how it fizzled out last time when they couldn't make it to meetings. People thought that just, oh, we just shouldn't go because there's no one leading it. And we were like, well, if everybody's leading it, everybody's getting a say, then it you know, can keep going for as long as the whole school community wants it to. Um, but then we had, you know, who was going to make the group chat? Who would be in it? Like, did you have to come to a meeting every week to be in the group chat? And, you know, we were really going through these sort of issues of how do we define when you're in it or not, which is why um, the club and the forums are sort of two really good different spaces and sort of provide us with that extra bit of time um, to like have sort of more global sort of class discussions and then more sort of yeah, and actually yeah, like get stuff done, done. because otherwise it's hard to like <laughs> yeah. physically get stuff done once a week, uh, yeah. every like once every second week in terms of like for instance spectrum organised meetings with teachers yeah. to talk about how teachers should interact um, with um, different like with LGBTQ. Um, IA plus um, issues within the classroom and how um, so like we've got um, yeah students talk to the teachers like have a meeting with them about how they should be interacting with that and so like we're like do we yeah. in order for our group to actually get <laughs> stuff done do we need a group chat we don't want it to be a clique yeah exactly um, and so it's having, been a lot of yeah time management yeah. to its most core at the moment yeah. um, trying to get everything and it out to everyone so that you know if you miss a week you're not missing out on really important time because it's a whole two weeks so you get to sort of come back and come together again yeah. so we've sort of created an extra sort of hour or two to um, face more issues and talk about more so it's been sort of about looking at different ways of um, being able to involve the school when you don't have a lot of time every week to sort of dedicate to 
you know, go and talk about this with a certain group of people, I guess. Yeah, definitely. If that made sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so final question. Where, where do we see the future of feminism? Where are we, where are we headed to? Equal pay. <laughs> okay. So, Dusty, do you see that as the most pressing piece of unfinished business or...? Most what? The most urgent. Yes. And why, why is that? Because that's, like, the biggest thing that hasn't happened and it's not soon happening. Like, there's no big movement about it. Well, there probably is, but don't hear anything about that. So, yeah, hopefully, maybe. <laughs> Um, I just think on a smaller scale we should continue to educate people because I know like when I was joining, talking to my friends, oh, are you going to join with me? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like because they don't want to be judged and also because feminism has become something where it's kind of just popular now, I guess, and people don't really know what it actually is and they switch it on and off. So maybe around other women they're like, yes, I'm a feminist, but around... Maybe boys, they're like, no, because they don't want to be judged. So I just think um, making it, I think women, like, they should be able to say that they're a feminist and not be judged, I guess. Yeah. Um, That's a really interesting point. I feel really strongly about the idea of feminism being popular. Um, For example, in fashion, there was a huge movement that began a couple of years ago. Um, There were lots of feminist slogan T-shirts on runways and everyone was talking about, like, the record-breaking statistics about um, plus-sized models, transgender models and people of colour on the runways. But actually, if you look at the statistics, they're really shocking. Um, For plus-sized and transgender models, they were less than 1%. Um, So I also think a really important thing about the future of feminism um, is having these feminist collectives and groups that can really... Because I know, I feel like old people will really just, like, hate this, but we are young people and we are going to be the people that are voting really soon and making these decisions. So it's really important to have safe spaces when you're young to start thinking about this and thinking about and questioning the world you're living in. And, like, and with that... Like, what you were talking about, how people kind of turn it on and off, like, that is so prominent these days. Like, for example, myself, I have not been a feminist my whole life. I have definitely made a change. And, like, in the beginning stages, it was very difficult for me to hang out with a group of guys. Like, I play on a hockey team, for example. To admit to them that I'm a feminist, that at first felt like, no, they'll hate you, they'll kick you off the team, that kind of thing. There was so much anxiety surrounding it and so much... There was a lot of stigma, yeah, a lot of stigma around it because it's such a... You're challenging the norm and it's not okay in everyone's eyes, but over the you know, over a course of time, I've become much, much more comfortable with it and it is a movement I feel like I really want to support and, and keep going with it because it's important and there are so many things wrong. Like, me personally, I find, like, in just... In my opinion, I think the thing that we're all kind of working towards or, like, what I would like to see is... Not, I, I agree the pay gap is so important, but it's everyday things like catcalling, horrible jokes, like rape culture jokes, like that kind of stuff. It is so just not on. It is so morally incorrect to, to disrespect someone you're not even, you don't even know, to just walk past them and not give them the liberty of continuing on their day without you harassing them or making them feel terrible. Like what kind of 
message does it send about, our, like, say about our society that we think it's okay and encourageable to demean people on the street? Like, it's horrible. We need to, we need to stop it. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing, um, something really simple that I think at our school we really need to work on is feminism is not an insult. So we have people in classes being like, oh, you're a feminist, oh, you're a feminist sort of thing. And I think that that's something really simple that needs to be stopped because um, people need to be educated about what feminism really is, especially the people who think that feminism is bad and, like, don't understand it as, like, feminism is not just women... um, it's equal rights for everyone, and I think that's something that some people at our school really don't understand, and I think that should definitely be prioritised. Yeah. Uh, I was just going <laughs> to... Oh. Um, I thought... I think something that I think is really important for the future of feminism is I think that there should be... It should be a curriculum thing that maybe in the future that we could have, a, you know, and that's kind of where aiming towards that with respectful relationships and fight back resources, but having teachers talking about feminism, why it's important, and just respecting women and, you know, like, how that's so important. Because I think when I, in my primary school, I wish that we had um, teachers talking about things like that and talking about how it's not okay to call someone a slut if their school dress is a little bit shorter than everyone else's and just small things like that and why... It's so important to have these things taught in schools because young people are so impressionable and to start teaching them from such a young age that feminism is is so important for so many people, for everyone, and how that so it's so crucial to get people to start thinking about that and young people to start thinking about that and children to start thinking about that and that feminism isn't inappropriate for primary school people. It's so important to think it's kind of you know, it's too explicit or there's things that, you know, you don't have to start with perhaps say this is what rape is, you know, but you do have to start talking about things that, because it will concern them and it will, they'll be affected by it and you have to start talking to them really soon. I think it's so important to have feminism as a curricula-based activity in the future. Yeah, like, I totally agree. I think that education is such an important part of, I think, feminism in its future and letting young people sort of decide what feminism and equality means to them and how they can make active changes in their community, even just, like, in their friendship groups, how they want to represent themselves and what they believe in and that it's totally okay to do that. And even if people, you know, don't always agree with you or, you know, tell you that it's, you know, just a fad or whatever, because it's really not, you know, it's super, super important to, you know, let people know that they can stand up for themselves and learn to believe in what they believe in and give them the opportunity to, which I think is really important for the future of, you know, keeping this um, really strong movement going, I think. Um, Can I just add to that? I think it's um, really important that um, not only in school, so that uh, kids being taught about feminism, but also at home, where parents are talking about it and um, and making sure that I mean um, that girls are treated the same as boys, and that and well, just to give an example, I, I did my work experience at a kinder recently, and I um, found that I was choosing a book to read, and I picked up a princess book. And um, one of the little boys said, I don't want you to read that to me. That's a girl's book. And I said, there's no such thing as a girl's book or a boy's book. Uh, And I think that um, 
that parents need to make sure that they're teaching their kids that there's about gender roles and that, you know, pink isn't a girl's colour, blue isn't a boy's colour. There's Colours don't have genders, so... Um, I think one of the biggest issues in feminism um, is the fact that about one woman a week is being killed by a current or former partner um, and that around one in three women will experience, um, over the age of 15, will experience sexual or family violence. But it's also one of the hardest things to really target because it's not like you can specifically kind of solve that because it's a result of the lack of education and the stigmas um, and the the wage gap, um, all of which are really important things, but this is kind of like the peak of the issue where people's li- people are losing their lives, um, both when they're being killed by their partners and also the way that assault can take over people's lives um, and also with eating disorders and things like that that are really um, physical and really serious manifestations of the power imbalance that are a result of all these things. And I was just going to say on the... Um, the awful violence against women is it is, some people say it's not a feminist issue and it is because it's no coincidence that women, uh, 90% of violence is by men to women, 97%. And I think that it's so, it's kind of, it's so engraved in our society and that, that it starts from the smallest things like sexist comments and the general um, disrespect for women and that boys when they're growing up think it's okay to you know be rude to a girl if they like her and to little things like that and I'm not saying that all the all those kind of comments and all the disrespect for women always ends in violence against women um, but ev- all the violence against women always starts with disrespect to women and the general kind of belief that women are that men are superior to women and women are their property and women are there for their taking and for their sexual pleasure or for them to look after them. And that's the kind of society in which we live and that leads to such horrendous crimes against these women and that they're not just statistics on a PowerPoint. They're not just one in three women. These are real women. These are your sisters and your wives and your girlfriends and your friends and these are real people who are affected by this and that's why it needs to change right now. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with all the points and I think that one place that I'd like feminism to go or society as a whole to go is that these issues aren't just issues for feminism, they're an issue for society as a whole. All these issues in the um, exhibition exhibited, exhibited in the exhibition aren't just... I think that it's great that feminist collectives are taking up um, all of these issues with violence and with sexual assault and... Just, and inequality is a, is a general. I think it's. I'd like to see feminism go to a space where it's not something that just feminists are worrying about. It's something that society as a whole is um, looking at, not just women and like minorities, but that we all worry about because it's an issue that's affecting all of us. Um, yeah. One last word, yeah. Sorry. Um, I also just think it's really important to acknowledge that feminism does have elements of its history that are very racist and homophobic and transphobic. And though those are really awful things, it's important to acknowledge that they happened um, and they are still happening now. Um, But I think feminism, like intersectional feminism, is a really big thing. Um, Like, you'll hear that word thrown around just constantly at the moment. Um, And so 
starting now and definitely moving into the future, there's a big move for feminism to become more inclusive because that's really what the movement is all about and what the root of the concept is. Because historically, some voices were left out of, of feminism in different ways. Definitely. Feminism. And yeah. feminism should be about including all women and all kinds of marginalised um, minorities. Mm. Thank you so much, everybody. Give everyone a round of applause. Um, we've got, we've run a little bit over time, um, but does anybody have any, any questions, any questions from the audience? Up the back, do we have a mic? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, that, that, that's a really, really good question. I'm really passionate about the environment and feminism. Like, they go together quite well, but I, I really see like, the, the, the future of this going. They can almost hold hands in a sense. Like, they can work together because we have such a, such a deep problem with the environment at the moment, especially with the Great Barrier Reef and what Adani is planning to do. Like, that, that, is, that is horrendous. And I think we can almost work together. They are a bit disrelated and they can be a bit separate, but I think... If enough people start talking to each other, you can definitely bring the two together because these are such powerful movements that really need to happen. I think people could work together and you could definitely get something going out of this. You, there is more than an opportunity to combine resources and start doing a lot of activism and like doing activism to start participating in it, to start making changes and especially with big topics such as the environment and feminism, there is definitely room for cooperation and intersection. We have a sustainability group at our school that we were all part of. Um, and I suppose that's something that we feel very strongly about too, the climate change issue and the fact that climate change is real. <laughs> <laughs> like patriarchy. <laughs> Wait, cap is a myth. <laughs> And gays. Oh, gays. Yeah. Any other questions? Well, in primary school, maybe if the um, uniform was the same for boys and girls, if you've got a uniform, because that's a bit unfair that they put dresses on the girls, because it's like dresses are for girls and shorts and t-shirts for the boys. Yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say that 
in the like childhood early years it's really really important to you know get that underlying understanding that everybody deserves to be respected and treated equally and I think um, you know when you go into primary school and there's the different uniforms for boys and girls um, a lot of people don't even identify with that and are very open about it now it creates a lot of problems for young people and you know as soon as you start seeming different when you're younger it sort of people are taught that you're not supposed to treat people equally and respectfully when they're young which is very strange to me um, and so like all like the little sort of changes that they make between boys and girls when you're younger and not having that foundation of everybody should be treated the same I think is what creates a lot of problems later on so I think that gen like that understanding of general respect is for everybody is really important I think that another really important aspect of teaching because young ch young people when even five-year-olds and seven-year-olds, it's so important to get them involved in a movement like this and to introduce them what equality is and what it means to, um, you know, create a space where everyone's equal. And to and I think another, I think also, I think at my primary school, it was like you, you weren't, you, everyone said penis, but you weren't allowed to say vagina because that was just gross. And I think that um, it's sort of like to stop being like, oh my God, vaginas and oh my God, penises, like so weird. Like, no, I think just talking about vaginas and penises and like I even remember talking to one of my friends and she said, oh, I've never won a race in my life when she was seven. And I said, well, you won the sperm race. And then she was like, what? And then her mum told me off or something. And I just thought, <laughs> and I just, she was like, that's so inappropriate, Eve. I never want you to talk to her about that again. And I was like... Wow, that's really stupid because I just think it's so... There's something so... <laughs> um, I think there's something so, like, awful about kind of demonising people's bodies and saying that... and alienating women in the sense that their bodies are inappropriate and that what they have is... What's, literally, it's like, I've got elbow and I've got a breast. Like, it's okay. Like, that's just part of my body. And I think that it's important to just go, well these are young people and that it's, you know, and to teach them that, yes, it's your body and that people can't touch it unless you want them to and to say, to teach them how to say stop and how to say no and I don't want to do that or I don't want to play that game because it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I think small steps like that and just the general respect for women is so important to teach young boys as well. Um, I just wanted to add quickly that it, I think it's important that femi feminism is normalised um, because in primary school, I think not many people really know what feminism is. I know I didn't. And, and then when you get to high school and people start talking about it and then people kind of get shocked by the concept and, and then they're um, like, oh, I don't know what this is. So this scares me. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to, not going to participate in this. And I think it's important that primary school students get an understanding of what it is before they come to high school. Yeah, de oh, sorry. Do you know you go? Oh, no. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. I was just going to say, I think like, what you were saying before, that just education is so much the key because I have such a clear memory. I think at the end of year six, telling my dad, you know what, I'm so lucky because I don't think I've experienced any sexism so far in my life, which... Firstly, it's really nice, but very untrue. And it was just because of lack, even though my parents educated me a lot on, um, <laughs> um, 
Um, both of my parents um, are strong feminists and they educated me a lot. I didn't really realise a lot of um, sexism that I'd really internalised until I got to high school and I was um, educated myself but also was exposed to different texts and I um, became aware of all the sexism that like I had been already uh, exposed to and really internalised by that point. And so I think if we had um, better feminist education within primary schools, then not only would girls and boys be able to um, identify feminism but also change it, because I think a lot of problems, like for me when I was younger, is I just wasn't able to identify that actually that was just sexist behaviour. I think we have to finish there. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, thanks everybody for hanging in there and um, enjoying this unfinished conversation symposium. Um, the third symposium in this series is called Don't Tell Me to Smile, Black Feminism and Intersectionality, which you guys might be interested in. Um, and it's convened by Unfinished Business co-curator Paola Bala next Wednesday, the 7th of March here at ACCA. Um, the final symposium in this series is Isms, Feminist Art and Editorial Histories, convened again by another co-curator, Vicky McInnes, on Saturday the 17th of March. And we have a whole range of um, additional, it's very cute, <laughs> uh, additional um, public and education programs still happening for the last month of the exhibition. Um, and all the details can be found on ACCA's website. But thank you all for coming tonight and thank you to our panel members and collectives. Thank you. Thank you.